0: Welcome, you're listening to intentional conversations from Nika White Consulting, an encore presentation of our weekly podcast where we intersect diversity, equity, and inclusion with leadership and business. Let the conversation begin. Now, this is the part of the show where it gives me great privilege and honor to introduce, formally introduce our guest co-host. And if you've been with us, you know that I always like to read our guest co host bio. It's important to me for you all to understand the accolades, credentials, um, the experiences in which our guest co-hosts show up to the conversation with, and today will be no different. Um, And I'm excited because this is not a stranger to me at all. This is someone that I admire greatly and have been in relationship with for quite some time. We have history all, and so it's probably going to feel like two girlfriends chatting it up to um, And that does my heart such great joy. So welcome Priscilla Wallace. Priscilla Wallace brings over 23 years of experience building, developing, and accelerating award-winning strategic supply chain programs for top Fortune 500 companies. She is a determined supply chain professional with experience working in financial institutions, food and beverage, and the nonprofit industry. She has spent most of her career establishing, revamping, and managing supplier diversity, DEI, and small business inclusion programs with Fortune 500 corporations and nonprofit organizations organizations, to understand supply chains, community initiatives, and how to equip entrepreneurs to be successful when pursuing opportunities with corporations. Currently, she is a consultant, strategist, diversity expert, and founder of Diversity Exchange, LLC. She continues to collaborate with top corporations, centers of excellence, universities, and entrepreneurs to promote diversity and advance the ecosystem for entrepreneurial growth. In her community, she continues to lead and teach women of faith groups and serves her church with her husband. She loves outreach and touching the lives in the community. Her pride and joy are her husband, Herb, her two children, Nehemiah, a senior in high school, and her da- daughter, Shayla, sophomore, early college student. She has served as a corporate liaison with NMSDC, WeBank, Ra- Rainbow Push, National ACE. Um, and regional certifying organizations. She served on numerous boards such as Enterprising Women, CVMSDC, the Conference Board, Tuck Executive Education School of Business, et cetera, et cetera. And so <laughs> I want you to find those accolades, find those emojis, whatever it is, and help me to welcome our guest co host today, Priscilla Wallace. I'm going to stop sharing my screen so that she and I can be in spotlight together. So I'm going to add her right now. And Priscilla, my friend, I'm so glad glad to see you here today cannot wait to catch up can't wait for this community to also get to hear from you and know more about you but one of the things that I felt to share with you and I'm hoping I'm not catching you off guard but it's tradition here so we have to do it right we have to go out with the bang and that is now that I've read your bio And um, I have shared your accolades and your credentials, what I will ask as you think about how you may want to greet this audience in your own way, what can you also share with us that we would not know from reading your bio or from going to your LinkedIn profile? So you (laughs) gotta think fast, my friend, and I'm sure there's lots of goodness that you can share with us, but welcome. Thank you for being here. Thank
1: you so much, Mika. It's always a pleasure to be in your company. And that one thing that I can share with the audience that is not on my bio, but if you were to ask my husband or anyone that know me, I'm a bad girl in the kitchen. I love cooking all day long. It never, ever gets tired of cooking
0: gosh well okay so for for the partners out there that maybe are not you know always in the kitchen and somebody's an earshot and they're hearing this i mean just slow your roll we all have our different gifts right (laughs) so anyway i think that's wonderful i think that's wonderful that is awesome and by the way i do want to give honor or honor is due i think i saw a herb wallace and so could that be the herb wallace that's joining us in our community today that that is the herb wallace Okay, fantastic. Well, welcome. Thank you for joining us. I always love when partners kind of support each other. And so I think that's fantastic. Well, awesome. So we're going to jump right in because I don't want to delay another second having this audience to hear from you. But I just want to lead in with kind of understanding a little bit more about your pathway, your history. And of course, we know all of the different sectors that you've worked in, but what led you to this body of work um, that you have been committed to for 20 plus years? What was the What was the why factor for you?
1: The why factor for me, Nika, is legacy. Mm. What do I want to, whatever I'm doing now, um, whatever I've done over the last 23 years, it's all about impact. How am I leaving a legacy for my family, for my community, for even the people that I work with? And um, being able to work in diversity, a girl from small town, Baysfield, Mississippi, um, if it was not for um, some of the people that touched my life, mainly the mentors and then the sponsors, I would not have known how much needed this work was. So Mm. that's what started me on my journey because I knew someday that if I got the opportunity that I would try to be a problem solver, be a part of the solution and not the problem, help open doors of opportunities for Mm -hmm. um, diverse suppliers, for um, diversity to be talked about in the workplace. Um, I was one of the um, early adopters of some of the supplier diversity initiatives, some of the strategy sessions that we had. And which brings to mind, you and I, you remember the accelerator?
0: Yes, <laughs> the it's way. still going, by the way. Yes. <laughs> still
1: going. So awesome. Yes. And just being able to, you know, get businesses to be able to get opportunities from corporations right in the same marketplace.
0: Yeah. And, so, and yeah. that was
1: where you and I met years ago. And yes. And we had the same passion around that. And so my goal is to continue to do this work.
0: Yeah, no, I love that legacy. Um, and and I think that legacy is so important. And so, yeah, I want to dig a little bit into the sure. story of how you and I connected, because I think yeah. that it will be interesting for this this community to hear. And so when Priscilla just referenced the Accelerator program, I was really, really green to supplier diversity. I was new to the work and I had just been appointed the VP of Diversity, Equity and Inclusion for um, the Greenville Chamber in South Carolina, one of the largest chambers in, in the upstate. And we really, Recognized that there was a need for intentionality to create these programs and initiatives to allow minority-owned businesses to be able to grow and thrive and compete effectively in the marketplace. We knew the challenges, and specifically in Greenville County, we we had the stats and the research showed that we had. Um, approximately 6,000 minority owned businesses. And when I'm talking minority, specifically, I'm meaning ethnic minority owned businesses. But on average, those businesses were growing or employing 2.5 individuals. And that number had remained the same for decades within us, which meant those businesses weren't growing. So we needed to understand why. And so my friend Priscilla was already well-vested in this work, and she was much further along than I. And so somehow we connected, and, and you were so supportive and really helping me to build that program in the upstate of South Carolina. And this has been years ago, y'all. And so maybe yeah. like a year or two ago, the program reached 10 years, this 10-year anniversary um, mm-hmm. that I started, which you helped me start in Greenville, South Carolina. And not to mention, in that 10th year, we were able to take the program across the state of South Carolina. So now there's one in the upstate, one in the Midlands and one in the low country. And I have to say that Priscilla, a lot of that has to do with how generous you were with being a resource to helping me learn the ropes. And so I'm so grateful. And I just wanted to leverage today's platform to be able to say that to you. Oh, <laughs> so yeah, not only yes. are you a baddie in the kitchen, but you're a baddie when it comes to this work of supplier diversity and you're so committed to it. And I'm grateful, I'm grateful for that. Thank you. Okay. Thank so you. let's talk about um you know again you mentioned legacy before and I think that part of having a legacy is is being intentional with whatever it is we feel like we're destined and purpose to do. So hi let's talk about this word um you know uh, being intentional and um, continuing to have meaningful, productive um, conversations. What? Why is that something that also you have invested a lot of time and energy to, and how does that show up for you within the spaces that you have influenced in terms of, again, just these intentional conversations that may not always be easy to have, but they're necessary? Right, thank you for
1: asking that question. You know, I agree with you. Um, it is It is not easy, but it is necessary. Um, because at the end of the day, we all want to live fulfilled lives, we want wow. to feel like we're making a difference. We want to live a life of purpose with specific goals that we want to achieve. And it all starts with being able to feel like you're making a difference with your conversations. We have to communicate, whether you're in your homes, whether you're in your job, whether you're just meeting someone, if you cannot communicate, then that creates Um, opportunities are being misunderstood or misrepresented. And we've seen that happen in the workplace. We've seen that happen in our communities, in our churches, even just with our peers. And so it's important that we have those intentional conversations so we are allowed to be our true, authentic self, to show Mm up, to feel like we belong, that we don't have to put on these filters, uh, pretend to be something that we're not. And most importantly, for that self fulfillment. And now the doors have been open for these DEI conversations. And and when I say, when you look back years ago, this was unheard of. It was always like you're knocking, trying to push the door down just to be heard, or you're having to take on these roles that you didn't want just so that you can get in a room, just so you can have a small voice. So now, Mm. conversation of DEI and more corporations adopting, um, having DEI professionals on staff and the constant um, diversity moments, the courageous conversations, things that are going on. You know, even though we still know that we got a ways to go, let's just be real about it, but it's happening. And so we should celebrate that as a win but it is happening. It's creating job opportunities. Look at yeah. LinkedIn. I've never seen this many postings for DEI professionals. More universities are adopting this approach. So it's making a difference. And why did all that happen? Because the conversation was intentional.
0: Yes, yes. So so the message here is we got to keep talking, right? We can't get weary yep. in, in, in our, in our, our well-doing because it may feel exhausting, like nobody's listening, nothing's changing, but I guarantee you it is. Uh, and so we have to keep talking. We have to be intentional about that. Let's not yeah. let's not get 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 weary. I love the fact that you mentioned self fulfillment, and it just reminds me that right now I am I'm working on a, a, a course, or well, really a talk that I'm going to give mm-hmm. um, after the first of the year, and and I bring to the conversation how. Um, At the individual level, there's there's some responsibility that we have, right, to help create the outcomes that we want to see, the change we want to see in the world. And I was relating that to justice, and I think that um, really leaning into what can we do that's within our control to help ensure self-fulfillment is a form of justice, justice that we can control in some ways. Mm -hmm. And so I love that self-fulfillment has found its way to the conversation. Now, one of the other ways, Priscilla, you and I have connected uh, is around our faith. We both are believers. We both are Christians. We both carry um, that into everything that we do. It is the foundation for both of us. We've talked about that before. We've kind of shared stories around that. And as practitioners that are in this space, Um, just like some of the other areas that we deem to be really significant part of our identity, it can create some tension points and a push or pull, not necessarily for us if we're really strongly steeped in in our beliefs, but Mm -hmm. it can for others who may question how in which we show up to this work, right? And some of the things that which we may um, see as as worthy of advocating for and not advocating for. So I I just wanna have a, a real dialogue with you about how have you navigated um, being a woman of great faith and also being this practitioner. Um, and, and what do you, what advice do you give to others that may also be grappling with? How do I take something that's so much a part of who I am and make sure that it's not creating um, challenges and, um, and, and how in which I do the work of, um, of, of catering to all types of people and difference across so many different dimensions of diversity? Right.
1: Um that's a good question. That's a hard question if you were to um it's a hard question for a lot of people because that can become a battle. One of the things that my husband and I like to do every year is come up with a theme or a goal or what we aim to do or what we will put in place and then we direct all of our actions, our events, whatever we do around that theme. And I think for 2023, by the way, I'm very happy that I'm closing 2023 out with you. I'm your last speaker of the year. Now that that is is a faith move right there. Because (laughs) I think for 2023 has been keep the main thing, the main thing.
0: The main thing. Yeah, Yeah. You know,
1: so you, you can be in the workplace and you can be a woman, a man, of faith. And, um, what helps is knowing um who and what you believe in is being centered. What has helped me has been my devotions, constantly having that encouragement that empowerment of who I am because it's so easy to get lost in the in the shuffle in the hustle of trying to get ahead in corporate America right. and sometimes right. you're in meetings and and you hear conversations or you hear um, different type profanity type things that doesn't sit well with you. But, you know, you still got to get through the meeting. And so mm-hmm. I always look at it like this right here. I am to hate the sin or whatever action it may be, but I still have to love the person.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, and,
1: and I believe that when I come into the room, I bring light into the room hmm I, you know, because the Bible tells us that we are the salt of the earth and it's salt where to mm-hmm. lose flavor. We are the flavor and we can't forget mm-hmm. that. You know, we are put, we're not to be people just amongst ourselves, but we need to be sometimes centered right where the activity is to kind of shift and make a difference. Yeah. And I've been yeah. in several meetings, even done board presentations where, you know, yeah, I go in there prayed up for myself, but also while I'm in that room, it gives me an opportunity to, to pray for others, to be the mm-hmm. spoken voice, to be the voice of reasoning, to um, not be so judgmental or um, um, how should I say it, where it's gotta be my way or the highway. And, and we yeah. gotta realize that you can still show up in a corporate place. You can still show up in a workplace or you can still show up as an entrepreneur and be your true authentic self and hold on to your faith. But you have to make deposits. You have to make deposits of getting refreshed, renewed. Have people around you that are encouraging you, that are speaking life into you, that are reminding you of who you are in in Christ Jesus. Because as Nika said, we're both Christians. And that's so important to having that foundation because, you know, people are going to come and they're going to go. Yeah. They're always going to have something to say, whether yeah. you're doing something good or whether you're doing something bad. But you want to know what really matters? Your peace matters. Your yes. joy matters. Yeah. Your foundation matters. It matters because that's yeah. what defines you. That's what makes you. That's what helps yeah. you get through the hurdles of life.
0: Yeah. And for people that are really devoted to their faith and their and their religion, it it is such an important part of their identity that in order to show up authentic, then it is, it is natural for for those values to to enter into the conversation to certainly be on display. And so and I share that. Um, to bring forth the relevance of if we are in a society to where, you know, many of us who are advocating for this work of belonging and, and inclusion and equity, we have to allow people to show up whole, to show up um, f- fully authentic and, and who they are. And we can't separate portions of our identity in order to show up authentically, right? So we can't right. separate, you know, our, our race, our ethnicity, um, our, our, our religion, our faith. And, and I think that there is a lot of room for us to be more extinct of, even though if someone may not subscribe to that same faith or religion or belief, that yeah. we don't allow people to feel like they have to shrink back portions of who they are. And and so I think that's just a really important conversation for us to have. And and here's kind of the connection point that became evident to me just yesterday, um, or earlier this week, rather, when we were doing the wrap-up of of a session for this group that had been through these series of of DEIB learning experiences. And one gentleman, it was a young white white professional male, and he said, at the end of the day, what I have learned from this experience goes back to my my Christian roots. You know, I grew up in the church and I, I grew up on Christian beliefs. So he says, when I'm hearing all of these these, these constructs around you know, respect, dignity, belonging, acceptance, you know, trying to eliminate oppression, discrimination. He said, what it boils down to is just a sense of treating people with respect. And those are some fundamental values and principles that I think a lot of us um, can can find some common ground in. And so- um, Yeah, I do think that it certainly is a way that helps us to show up where we are um, taking a human-centered approach to this type of work, you know? And I think that's what's important. Yeah, you know, know, I also say that I'm sorry. I was just going to quickly mention, Priscilla, that I often say that acceptance doesn't always mean agreement, and I think that's something also that we have to lean into. You know, we we can coexist without us having to have the same perspectives, beliefs. You know, right. and and I think that's just important to highlight. Go ahead with your thought,
1: please. Yeah, yeah. I I was I was going to say that. I mean, bottom line, everyone wants to feel loved. Everyone wants to feel accepted, as if though they belong and. And I think that that has to be respected in the workplace or wherever you're at. I had this old saying, and I and I love stories. I'm from Mississippi, so one of the things that I have tons of little stories. But I was at this event one time, and you know, it's a professional event, and I did not expect the speaker. The speaker asked this question: um, When people read your obituary, are they going to focus more on your accomplishments or more on how you made a Difference in this world.
0: Yeah. What would Legacy. They say about you?
1: And you know, and I'm like, at least say that she was a woman of faith. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Was, yes, exactly. The they'll, they'll come, they'll go, they'll, you remember you. Yeah. When you walk across the stage and accept an award, but your walk, your walk matters. Are you, are you talking to talk and walking the walk, or do you become someone else when you get in those corporate doors? You know, and that's something that you have to be able to balance in order to Mm -hmm. be able to answer that question. But just think about that. We spend more than eight to 12 hours on our jobs, right? In the workplace, trying to help a corporation or organization, our own personal business grow. But how much of that time do we really spend just just meditating and, and getting our thoughts right and and
0: learning who we are, and who the Bible says we are. Mm -hmm. Now, I want to shift uh, a bit, and I want to talk about your prowess in the area of supplier diversity, and economic inclusion, so certainly you have had such a deep history of building strategies, seeing successful stories, and outcomes. What would you say, Priscilla, are maybe those top two to three considerations that um, organizations and leaders who are advocates of supplier diversity and economic inclusion should should know about that really is driving sustainable change for right. those minority businesses?
1: I would say right now for those in the space of supplier diversity and anyone um, still in supplier diversity, you one of my peers, I just have to give you a shout out and just say I encourage you Don't, don't, don't feel like it's never going to get there. It will get there, but it needed someone like you in that chair to help it get there. Um, So here, what we got to be ready for is to shift. And one of the things about supplier diversity, you always got to be thinking at least three to five steps ahead. Where's the industry going? Um, What should I have my MBEs, uh, my minority businesses focused on now? Yes, it's great to report our spend. Um, so that you can meet your metrics and show at the end of the day that you're making a difference. But what's most important also is making sure that we are actually having programs to help sustain the MBA community. By right. now contracts, every contract, if you've been in supplier diversity over five to seven years and you have a supply chain that is centered around making supplier diversity at its core, every contract should have some type of language that's including at least one or more diverse suppliers in the RPs. Um, mm-hmm. So that's important. AI, uh, which Nika mentioned earlier that she had a course on um, DEI and AI and how it intersects. I recently just um, finished a strategy for a smart tech MBE seminar um, that was hosted by Howard University Supply Chain. Nice. And it was mainly about MBEs and students learning about smart manufacturing, AI technology, because that is our future. Nice. Be- Get suppliers involved in understanding where they're at with smart technology. In fact, we got another conference that we'll be hosting in 2024 that I'll be sharing out there on LinkedIn. ESG, have your suppliers um, completed their assessments? How are they rating? Are we moving them in directions where we're helping? And when I say helping, and um, are we sponsoring suppliers to get right. uh, ESG ready? That is so Mm -hmm. important. So we can't just think about just diverse suppliers getting an opportunity. We have to own the part of making sure that they are successful with what they need for those opportunities.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And so for the benefit of this um, larger community, can you tell us what it means to be ESG ready for those who aren't familiar with ESG?
1: Sure, sure. For those who's not, it's environmental social governance. Um, That's the acronym. And basically, it's being able to look at how um, suppliers, but corporations right now, their focus is on how are we reducing our carbon footprint? How are we looking at our greenhouse gas emissions? How are we creating a cleaner world, a cleaner earth? So that Mm -hmm. applies to our suppliers because just as the corporations are evolving, our suppliers have to be evolving. How are they implementing that within their place of businesses? Um, um, It could be as simple as when you fly on an airplane. Um, Are you sitting in coach? Are you sitting in first class? How many uh, emitters are going out at that time? So, it's just a number of things that suppliers need to be ready for and show themselves up strong for because that will end up being part of identifying whether or not you're included in supply chain opportunities
0: absolutely. And we know that there's already a challenge where we're trying to increase the number of minority businesses that are included into the supply chain. And yeah. so, this could be yet another hurdle or obstacle that can keep them out and so I love the fact that you are promoting uh, the education of this for those suppliers and it's going to take us you know continuing to beat this drum if you will because if not we're going to just identify that yet another challenge that um, does not allow those businesses to compete effectively in the marketplace Um, And so are there any specific um, strategies that now you are crusading for as you're talking to the um, minority um, businesses, business owners themselves? You know, it's one thing to talk about the corporations and the organizations. But what about the minority businesses? What are like the top couple strategies that you're giving to them?
1: I love talking to you. You know, we can go all day with this.
0: So my, my strategy is that, and
1: I'm also uh, a CEO coach for a company called Connect Up. My strategy is that I'm working with uh, suppliers on right now. It's really, uh, to keep it simple, is how you show up.
0: Yeah. It's
1: how you yeah. show up and making sure that you have targeted customers. And one of the strategies I say every year, even for myself with Diversity Exchange um, LLC, is to target three to five customers and stay with the three to five customers, understand how they do business, understand what they're looking for, and understand how you can be the solution for their problems. Now, that may seem like a large scale, a large uh, thing to unravel or to unpack, but that's, that's number one. And I think the issue is we have so many suppliers trying to be all things to all people that you really don't get to be your best. Uh, mm-hmm. in just one area, and to compete for these contracts is harder and harder and harder. Another strategy is that I'm um, working with suppliers. Is um, I had a supplier reach out to me yesterday, and she's probably listening right now. Is if there's an opportunity to integrate DEI in your workplace, do so. Yeah. You know, it starts with us. We can't say everyone else out there create or a, a, um, change your organization and not willing to change our own organization. That's true. Justify your boards. Um, connect with advisors that are diverse. Um, it's, it's another thing to do. And also, lastly, um, which I just mentioned, smart technology. I know those file cabinets are full, and I know they work for you for a number of years, but somehow <laughs> you need to move to saving your information right. in the cloud. Right. And right. Learn how this works because the RP processes are changing for corporations, and they're looking for suppliers to evolve just as the corporations are.
0: Yeah, really great tips. Do not be afraid of tech. We have to get ourselves comfortable with it because it is definitely the way and it's going to be a separator. Um, I also love the fact that you mentioned um, that, you know, oftentimes it's it's these um, historically underrepresented, or I like to say underestimated businesses that are left out of the supply chain, right? Yeah. And, um, and so, you know, once we are we're being intentional about creating these opportunities through these systems and these special programs and these special policies, it is important for those businesses as well, those minority-owned businesses, to also make sure that they are paying it forward by either connecting with other businesses that maybe are emerging and aren't quite yet at the level that they are, and, you know, reaching reaching back as they climb, sharing how they were able to get to that place. I know that one of the benefits that has been really instrumental for me and my, my entrepreneur journey is connecting through brain trust groups and other uh, mastermind groups of, of women of color that are practitioners and founders in this same space. We can't feel like we have to keep all of our intel so close to the chest and gatekeep it to where uh, we don't also help to protect the full term, which is being willing to kind of share those lessons learned and, and pull others up. And and one other point that I'll make is I think that what you are sharing as you're talking about the importance of supplier diversity and economic inclusion, it goes back to this big debate and conversation of where should the DEI work and leadership exist within an organization? Should it fall under HR only? Well, let's face it. If it falls under HR only, then what we're talking about today, this whole hour-long conversation is kind of null and void, and it's not even existent. So that's the reason why I also advocate for the, the leadership within DEI. to to have a holistic approach where it's touching all areas of operations and not just housed under HR only. So I'm going to go to now an audience question. And by the way, you are getting some love into the chat, Priscilla. So um, Tanya Pennywoods is thanking you for supporting the Smart MBA seminar that was hosted by Howard University Supply Chain Center, which you referenced earlier. She says that your leadership was key to the success. And so you are definitely making a difference. Uh, I'm going to take this question that's coming in from one of our audience members. Um, but what I want to share with the rest of you is that after this question, it is your turn. So if you have a question or curiosity that you're holding, or maybe just a comment or contribution you want to make to the discussion. I'll give you a chance to um, present that momentarily. If you're part of the Zoom community, you can let us know that you're willing to share by using the raise hand feature, and I will invite you to be added to our spotlight and unmute yourself. Um, or if you just want to share your questions into the, the comment section, the chat area, we're, we're happy to take those that way. If you're part of the LinkedIn Live, go to the comment section. We're bringing those conversations and those comments and questions over into our um, community here. Here. And so we, will, we want to hear from you as well. So here's the question. This question comes from Hannah. How might the recent affirmative action decision impact supplier diversity initiatives? Great question. How can individuals and organizations alike continue to push the initiatives forward and support these communities in the midst of this political climate? So, yes, we do know that the affirmative action decision is not only impacting, you know, enrollment in different higher learning institutions, but it's also impacting other federal programs where, um, you know, minorities have been identified as, as a way to prioritize opportunity for them. And so I wanted to add that context there. But what would you say to that question, Priscilla? Big topic. No.
1: You know, I, I, I say this to that topic, um, you know, I think that, first of all, we have to unpack that a little bit and identify within our um, diverse community. You know, there's there's so much we can do together, and, and Nika, you kind of um, touched on that. Sometimes we don't collaborate. We don't partner well together, join together. And I think that here, we're going to have to, um, with supplier diversity professionals and and um, educating and getting suppliers opportunities that we're gonna have to do more collaboration to help combat as a united whole to some of the affirmative action issues that are going on right now. Um, we know there's a need. Um, and it's, which is why I said businesses they have to scale up. right they have to scale up to become more compatible uh, to more comp- to become more competitive, to show up. Uh, and, and be a part of these political changes. We can't sit back on the sideways and just wait okay. and let things go and just talk about it in the news, but we need to be a part of the conversation, a part of the dialogue, wow. collaborating together, being a part of the difference.
0: Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. Absolutely. I know that um, there is a lot of conversations that are happening right now, particularly with the case that's already out there, mm-hmm. um, where um, there's a, a Black female founder um, that her program, and the name escapes me now, someone probably in this community can can search it quickly and place it into the chat. But I, I heard a story this morning where she was went live on social media and she was talking about how this impacts everything. They're using her program as a way to set the precedent for all other programs. And so her point was, if you aren't paying attention to this or so you think that it's not impacting you, then you need to think again because it is. Yeah. This this is what they're using as the example to really uh, make some firm decisions about um, the lack of support through affirmative action Um for for a lot of those programs that really help to uh, minority businesses to be able to scale and grow and build capacity. So pay attention to what's going on. Yeah. And and
1: one of the things that I want to just add to that, and I, and, you know, because I have a rich history and supplier diversity, it's all about telling your story. So when these type things comes up and, you know, it's good to report out metrics at the end of the year, but also are you reporting out how you uh, awarded contracts to certain diverse suppliers. How they made an impact right. in the community, how they created more jobs, how they had different um, community initiatives, outreaches, etc. We got to That's the problem. We start with just the contract, but when you come back, it's almost like you got to be your own attorney, lawyer, and judge.
0: You do. <laughs> say, you, you do.
1: Because you have to yeah. show how your work is making a difference, how it is making. Right. Impact, the value proposition behind what you're doing. So when these things comes up, that we can justify it with our work.
0: Yeah, I absolutely agree. Storytelling is such a powerful tool. And, you know, I think that we gravitate so quickly towards the the quantitative, the numbers and the numbers are important as well. But let's not underestimate the value of the qualitative data. So, you know, document those stories, you know, present those case studies and and let's over communicate on this topic so people can really see the full value of what these efforts mean um, when these businesses are able to thrive. And research even shows that when minority businesses are thriving and they're creating jobs, that there's greater that they're hiring people from those communities. And so um, lots of reasons why we we all need to care, not just those of us who are part of those communities, but all of us need to care about that. Um, So I wanna shift a little bit here and then you talk a lot about decluttering, right? That's something that's part of your platform, is something that's really important to you. And so tell us what that's all about and, and why is that something of value that maybe others need to have in their consideration set as well?
1: You know, I'm actually teaching uh, a women's group at my church on decluttering. You should have seen their faces when I started talking about it. They're like, oh, maybe I need to clean out my closet. Maybe I need to clean out my garage. But, you know, (laughs) when you think about decluttering, one of the most challenging steps to decluttering is deciding what needs to go.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, One of the questions that I ask myself and that I challenge, you know, those that are listening are the items in my current lifestyle or my activities within my current lifestyle. Are they reflecting the season that I am in?
0: Mm, And it goes
1: back to, um, you know, uh, since you said we faith-based today, it goes Mm. back to Ecclesiastes three, that there's a time and a season for yes. everything.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And yep. so, you know, when you t- think about decluttering, if we look at it from a, 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 a faith base, um, what are we doing? What is taking up access to our soul? Mm-hmm. What is keeping us mm-hmm. so weighed and bogged down and stressed out that we're not feeling whole, that we're not feeling that we're centered, that we have a foundation to kind of have our mind all over the place? From a family base, um, I would say, just remember, you choose to allow what comes into your home. Yeah. You, choose to, uh, you can allow what type of peace you're going to have in your home. It's going to be constant chaos. Um, and a lot of us work remotely. A lot of us try to manage home and work in the job. But sometimes we end up giving a job 12 to 15 hours and have very little to give to our spouse, our kids, or our family. So, and, and even our thought process, yeah, we're at the dinner table, but your mind is on your nets. So just yes. being able to be present and live in the now from a work base, when on, uh, and I, best example I can give is myself, just my decluttering journey. Um, I have to face the fact that I own several pairs of shoes, nice fancy <laughs> dresses and specific activities that right now that I'm not participating in. Even though those activities represented a season of my life and I have a lot of great memories, but those activities no longer reflect the season that I'm in. So when I think about decluttering, what are we willing to let go? Even in the workplace, you go through seasons.
0: Mm -hmm. There was a season
1: Mm -hmm. where we had to manually print everything. Now, some of us have been in a space where is struggle with that because it goes in a cloud and we don't know how to do that. Right. So even in your roles, some people are sitting in roles every day, just unhappy and miserable, but they're in that role for a paycheck versus enjoying the job. What yeah. do you need to declutter? Mm-hmm. Life is short. We get one chance at it. So my yeah. question back to you, are your activities that you're doing, are the items or things that You're um, having your closet or whatever it may be. Does it represent the season that you're in right now?
0: I love that. I love that. Yeah. And we, and we all evolve. So you're giving us some tools to self-actualize really what we, what we want for ourselves by thinking on that very specific question. And what I love about it is that, especially this time of year, when we think about the holidays and how many people are grieving loved ones and how, you know, the stress of trying to wrap up end of year goals and maybe not meeting those goals, all the things, you know, anxiety is really high. You know, there's a real thing called seasonal depression and many people experience it this time. of year for all the reasons that i named and more and so i love that you're bringing this this whole phenomenon of decluttering and the importance of it almost as a way for self-care and well-being because it does make us whole it does make us feel a bit more centered and grounded when we are only consuming the things in our spaces um in our minds and our psyche and our bodies and our souls that are good for us and i think that's certainly a great takeaway I just, I noticed that over the course of, I don't know, just a, the past few weeks that I've had this this influx of, of all of this spam um, communication to my my work email. And I'm like, I've been protecting it for years. I don't understand how this happened all of a sudden. <laughs> then I started thinking back and I was like, oh, I, I slipped, right? I, I got lazy. And so instead of using like my Gmail for responding to something, I use my, my work email and now the floodgates have opened and it's just like this influx. And so, and usually what I do is just delete, delete, delete. And I'm like, why am I not Getting to the root cause of it, which was to declutter, which meant that I had to go in, look at each one of those and unsubscribe from the things that were not serving me well. And it was such, it's been liberating to do that. Every time I'm able to do unsubscribe, it's been, you know, really, um, really liberating. And so um, that is a part of self-care. That is a part of well-being. And I think that. We have a responsibility to ourselves to make sure we're being very radical about that and not not accepting any apologies for, for taking care of self. Yeah. Exactly. So, yes. Yes. I want to you know extend that question to this audience. If there's some ways in which you feel like you can declutter, whether it's your personal life, your work life, what is that and how do you plan to do that? Go to the chat and kind of share a little bit of that with us. Okay, so I'm looking to see if there are any hands raised and checking the chat to see if there are any questions that have come for. Um, again, you do have an opportunity to engage if you so desire. You can use the raise hand feature, or you can also um, just go to the chat. And so I'm not seeing any hands raised immediately. So I'll folks are still percolating. I'm going to go to my next question for you, because of course we're going to maximize every bit of time that we have, Priscilla, every bit of time. That's fine. Um, so one of the other things you talk about while we're on this wave of you inspiring us is, um, you know, your next life and getting ready for your next, you know, what, for your next in life. And so, and you actually just referenced that or you were talking about the declutter um, um, sentiments, but what is it like to get ready for your next in life? What does that mean and what does that that look like?
1: So what that looks like for me right now, and I'm still figuring out as I go. But one thing Mm -hmm. I do know for sure is that I have more years behind me than what's in front of me. (laughs) (laughs) So every day matters to me. Um, And part of my Nexus life is just being more cognizant of my time, of my energy and what I allow to impact me in my space. Yeah. Uh, whether it's from a professional uh, mental or spiritual perspective, time matters uh, right now in my bio you mentioned I have a son um a six feet three son at that um that's getting oh. <laughs> ready to go out to college and one of the things in my career that I said earlier I want to make sure that I have more time at home with my kids when they become teenagers and help mm. them um, help them with their course in life. And so I my have. son, I'll uh, be graduating in May. Um, and then I have a daughter um, that looks and act just like me. Um, she's in <laughs> early college. And she's a sophomore. So she's going through her teenage years. And I get to do life with them now. I get to do life with my husband now. I'll continue to consult, continue to strategize, and continue to do the great work that I love. But my next is making sure that I keep the main thing, the main the thing. Main
0: thing. And, but keep and, the main thing, you know, the main thing.
1: just, you know, get back, you know, I'm doing my devotions, spending more time with great leaders. I mean, really great, authentic leaders. One of them is as part of this. Um, um, I think she's online now, um, Dr. Tanya, uh, Professor Tanya Penny Woods, uh, with Howard she University is. and yes. several other um corporations that I've been collaborating with, spending time with them, helping them strategize on how to continue to move the work of diversity forward, whether at a university or a corporate level. So I continue that great work. And um, and I hope to continue to be able to be a, a resource for those that are in supplier diversity and continue to share that wealth of knowledge that I have.
0: Yeah, I love that. So you referenced, um, you know, a, a client, and yes, um, Tanya Penny Woods is is part of this community today. So thank you for being here, um, Tanya. Um, but what I what I'm interested in is for you to share with this community a bit more about your business and the type of support services. I know we've talked about it at a high level in, in addressing your bio, but if you had to narrow down, maybe your 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 two to three primary categories of solutions or service offerings, what would they be specifically?
1: Awesome. Sure, I would love to. So one of my uh, my two to three, she said, keep it a two, a two to three, you're right. <laughs> it's, it's helping organizations um, navigate supply chain hurdles. And, okay. and that's yep. all, often a challenge with um, suppliers that are seeking to do business with corporations is that they don't really understand supply chain. They see right. an RFP, but don't really understand how it flows or how it works. And so I do, uh, I help entrepreneurs with supplier development understand how to collaborate and partner with um, supply chains when um, responding to RFP's proposals and just being able to even just walk into room in the room to help them to interpret um, you know, what is being communicated and how their business fit into the supply chain plan. I also, hmm. focus on corporate strategy. Um, actually, um, just being able to strategize and build programs. I, uh, If you ask me what am I good at and what I love doing, it's going in understanding what the business needs and building a program around that as related mm-hmm. to DEI, and i supplier diversity, and community initiatives. So those are my strengths. That is what my business focused on um, and also educating um, MBEs to get ready for their next.
0: I love it. I love it. So on behalf of a lot of minority founders, and this is going to be something that certainly resonates with you, I just want to send the message that as you continue to do the work that you do, because it's in your wheelhouse, and you um, uh, you know, align with client partners and organizational leaders that are in the space of supplier diversity and supply chain, one of the things that I know are such you know, a common backdoor conversation of frustration is that please, 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 you know, encourage those organizations to. To, um uncomplicate their RFP processes because a lot of these minority vendors they're wearing the hats of the CFO the CMO you know the executor all the things and they don't have the bandwidth to really be able to go through such um, an arduous process in order to even be in the consideration set because they're servicing existing client needs and so I'm going to take one from the team and I'm just gonna say that is something I know that we want all of those organizations to be cognizant of and so um, yeah. Okay, so we have like four minutes left and I do have one final question that I wanna give you the final moments just to close this out Priscilla in whatever way that feels comfortable for you. If there's something that I haven't asked you about that you have a lot of energy for and you wanna socialize, I wanna give you that chance to do so. But my final question before that closing is you also talk a lot and advocate a lot for corporations, organizations to include family in their DEI initiatives. And you feel like that is something that really helps to shape Organizational culture. So, I would love for you to share your thoughts around why that's important, and um, and then close us out, please, friend. Sure, will.
1: Well, I wanted to just kind of briefly touched on it. It's so important that corporations invest in your people, invest mm-hmm. in your people, and a lot of times when it comes to investing in your people. We have to remember that the family, the faith, all that makes up that person. That person wants yeah. to be whole on the job. And um, and everyone deserves a fair chance, no matter their race, their color, or their religion. Yeah. People want to feel valued. They want to feel understood and accepted in the workplace. We all come with different perspectives, different viewpoints, but one thing that we all have in common Was that we want to feel appreciated and we want to feel like we're at a place that belongs. So I encourage uh, corporations to continue to have those courageous conversations, Mm -hmm. continue to build ERG groups, continue to recognize Affinity Month. It may not mean um, nothing to one as someone's peer, but it may mean something to someone else. And so just being able to acknowledge that, uh, engage in um, 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 Dr. Nika's, LinkedIn courses, learn more about unconscious bias, stereotypes, mm-hmm. the different mm-hmm. types of diversity, because that's what's going to help you relate to your employees. That's yeah. kind of what helped tie the line together. Have more events that are just centered not just on the employee, but perhaps their family. Um, so you can yeah. build those intentional relationships. Why do I say all of this? Because most people that are even watching right now, it's been a large part of their day at work, mm-hmm. at work. It's been a large yeah. part of their time at work, helping the company grow, adding their skill sets so they can work for a great organization. And obviously they believe in your organizations, which is why you should invest. And lastly, I would just say, um, Dr. Nika, she's an awesome woman. She's making a difference. And I, love the I said, she's an awesome woman is what yes. I said. And she's making a difference in these intentional conversations. She's built a platform that is to be admired. So continue to share this platform with others um, because you're touching lives. You're making a difference. And um, as far as the holidays, just remember the reason for the season. Take some time, get healthy, spend time on understanding what season that you're in. And from my family to your family, happy holidays.
0: Happy holidays to you. Thank you so much, Priscilla. I really have enjoyed reconnecting with you today in this conversation. I've enjoyed sharing you with our podcast community. And um, I certainly wish you and your family happy holidays as well. We have shared into our chat your LinkedIn as well as your website, diversityexchange.org. Do hope that you all will connect with Priscilla. And again, wishing you a safe, healthy, um, peaceful holiday season. We'll see you all the first of the year.